Englishman in San Diego. At the International Comics Expo, Margate 2018. The Margate Winter Gardens was the host of the ICE International Comics Expo Comic Convention over the weekend of the 14th and 15th of April 2018. It's a companion event to the larger ICE show in Birmingham and it attracted some truly stellar talent from the world of comics, both small press and mainstream. One such creative in attendance was somebody that I've been a huge fan of for some time, Cy Spurrier, the man behind such books as The Spire, X-Force and The Power of the Dark Crystal. In conversation with Sai at Ice Margate, I wanted to talk predominantly about two of his current books, the creator-owned Angelic, published by Image Comics, and Motherlands for DC Vertigo. As the conversation went on, however, talk went on to another exciting, ambitious, and, yes, intimidating project that he has barreling down the pipe. Neil Gaiman's Sandman, for which Sai is writing one of the first books under that umbrella, The Dreaming. That conversation was a whole meal in itself, and so I present that portion here for your enjoyment. Do check out anenglishmaninsandiego.com for the rest of my chat with Sai, as well as all of the other fascinating panels that I recorded at Ice Margate, including Kieran Gillen, Simon Furman, Emma Vicelli, and Dan Abnett. Enjoy. You have a, uh, are you ready for me to blow some smoke of your ass? Go on. Are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. You're verbose. You're very uh, literary. <laughs> you're very um, expressionistic. I'm not, you see. This <laughs> like, which makes you an ideal fit for Sandman. Ah, OK. okay Good that's what we're going for. All right, we went, we went, I went, I went of, there. Yeah, yeah, all the compliments. Because, uh, all the, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, obviously, I think what people take away from Sandman is that you could almost take away... The art. I mean, you never Whoa. want to. I know. I'm I know, not sure. I know, Starting yeah, to bristle. I know, but you, it, it's very literary. It's a, it's yeah. a gorgeously written piece of work, and that's obviously something that could become quite intimidating coming into writing something. Yeah. What, what was your? Fir- I mean, number one, what was your first thought when you um, landed the gig, and what was your second? Thought? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Uh, no, uh, you, I mean, you're, you're right and you're very kind. Uh, just for, for what it's worth, from my perspective, you take away the art, whoever the artist is, and it, it is not a book anymore. It's, Fair enough. It's, yes. That said, there is a reason it's thought of, and frankly now more recently referred to as Neil Gaiman's Sandman. There you go. Um, and to, to touch on that while I'm passing, I know that there was a lot of, not a lot of, there was a little quite legitimate uh, eyebrow arching when the news was made public about this new uh, resurrection of the, the Sandman universe that the announcement revolved around the four writers who had been handpicked by Neil and no mention was made of artists. And all I can say on that is that there's a good reason for that, which is that the artists haven't all been chosen yet. <laughs> um, and they, the DC people, in their wisdom, didn't want to say four writers and this artist and this artist. They wanted to save it up to make an announcement about all the artists together. I think also the fact that they're announcing it this early, and it, it's the kind of story that will continue to run purely off the back of this, this character's back. Sure. 
Exactly, and and again to to sort of uh, it's take, got a lot of legs to it to take the ball by the horns. Neil's responsibility in terms of getting the job up and running was to select the writers that he would like to write it, and so the story was about that rather than about who was going to be drawing it. I can say because I now know it's out in the world that my book, The Dreaming, is going to be drawn by Bilquis Everly, who is I think one of the very best artists working in comics. So I'm pretty chuffed about all that. To circle right back to your question, yeah, I mean, I come from a background of prose writing, so it's it's no great surprise that somebody as <laughs> sesquipedalian as me would be would be chosen. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I like words, and I, I like. Uh, in fact, to the extent it's a, a Sandman word. To the extent that I've actually <laughs> written a couple of blogs in the past about tell don't show because I, I have issues with the whole show don't tell doctrine. I think it's a good fit. Um, I was not somebody who grew up on Sandman. I was not a sort of... uh, No, I I discovered it much, much later. I was probably in my early 20s when I first read it. It's clearly amazing. It's clearly a work of literary brilliance. Um, It is very, very intimidating to be walking into that world. Uh, All I can say is that all four of us spent an incredible weekend in New Orleans with Neil being given not only advice but also permission and that's you know he's he's generous and calm and solved a few riddles that we'd gone into it really struggling to grapple with were there any perceptions to the, the story and to the character that you came to that meeting with which you then got told hang on a second you might not have gotten the handle on this I mean, or on that element, not ish, and and it's it's worth saying that the dreaming, the the title I will be writing is at its heart an ensemble piece. So it's a series of characters. Um, the, Can you tell us a little bit about the story? Yeah, sure, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so the and cut. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're going back to the whole. This won't appear in the final edit. The the main character is not dream. Dream is an a presence in all these stories. Um, most importantly in the dreaming for obvious reasons um, although perhaps not in the way that you might think I'm being very cryptic, I'm sorry <laughs> um, in as much as there is a main character it's a new character called Dora uh, who is, she exists in the dreaming and for the, the, the listeners who don't know what that is it is a almost entirely plastic plane of existence. Of it is, it really is, but in, in because comics are a visual medium, it exists as a, a manifested world whose master is dream, whose job and preserve is to manage and maintain the subconscious of humanity, the mass mind. It's a place where, in fact, the, the, so we're launching a special before the, the four titles launch. And I've written the majority of it, and the first page, which introduces you to the dreaming, opens with, there is a place where gods are born. And that's because all things, all wonder, all myth, all mysticism, is born in the human psyche, in the human imagination. And the, the dreaming exists as this abstract manifestation of what it is to be the human subconscious. So we're already in quite difficult territory when it's this, you know, I I keep pitching my story as, well, it's Deadwood. It's a Wild West town. And to an extent, the, uh, the central tenet is that it's a Wild West town whose sheriff is not doing his job. And so cut to everybody in the town worrying about what the hell's gonna happen to the town. That's the dreaming. But this ain't Deadwood. This ain't a, a, 
clapperboard town built in the middle of the prairie. It's literally the human subconscious. So yeah, intimidating to go back to that. Dora is a resident here who doesn't know why. She doesn't really know who or what she is. Uh, other people clearly know more about her than she herself knows. She's our sort of walking, talking manifestation of PTSD in the sense that she she has clearly suffered a major break and she doesn't know why and doesn't necessarily want to look at it too closely because it's clearly something awful uh, and she has deep distrust towards all the things in this world and, and readers of the old Sandman comics will remember that the other denizens... Just going to say, we're seeing there's some touchstones with some of the old stories. Yeah, well, there's... there's uh, so, Lucy and the Librarian death, death, is... Death a, and the Dreaming. Yeah, so the dream who appears in our story is the second dream. This is, he's called Daniel in the yeah. original stories. He's, he's now Dream, but he's uh, a sort of pale, pale version of Dream rather than the sort of goth black flowing robes, although we get some flashback fun with him too. Um, but yes, the other main characters are Lucian, who is the librarian, uh, Cain and Abel, the old sort of uh, DC storytellers, uh, Eve, Matthew the Raven, Merv Pumpkinhead. Right, you just named the ones. Yeah, okay. all these, oh, all these, okay. all these sort of great, beautiful characters who are... And, and by the way, one of the reasons that I created Dora and enjoy writing her is that she, like me, can look at these characters and go... They're all just bloody metaphors. You're all a bunch of bloody metaphors. What are you doing here? <laughs> and so when they try and tell her stuff, she's like, no, I don't believe I have to listen to you. You're just a myth. You're just, you're just a manifestation of some personified thought or abstraction. So she's quite, she's quite mean about everybody around her. And eventually we'll realize that there's a very good reason for it. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's the story of what happens when a kingdom... It's not that they've lost their king, it's that their king is not serving his function as he should do. And literally everything has gone wrong. Um, the walls of the kingdom are splitting. There's it's very sp parallel to then Neil Gaiman's first stories. Then, right. Because when you, you meet Dream at that point, he has been taken away, he's, away. Been, he's, a, he's a prisoner. So you, you're discovering him through his rediscovering of his own role. Quite right. And, and Is actually, that what we're going to be seeing in this? Ish. It's more like we're going to focus on... So, for instance, the book opens with a sort of reiteration of something that happened at the start of Neil's Sandman run, which is that the dreaming has been left without dream. Now, whereas the original Sandman starts with uh, dream having to figure out how to get back, in this case, and it, it's not quite true to say it's been left without him, it's more complicated than that, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> in this case, it's more about the characters who are left there going, holy crap, this has happened before, it didn't end well, and this time there's a lot of other extremely frightening stuff that's different, um, which I can't talk about, but which is, is sort of massive. Uh, what are we going to do? And... Um, they kind of rattle through all the obvious um, and then increasingly unobvious responses to that, including pretending everything's all right, <laughs> panicking when it's clear that everything's not all right. Um, and in the midst this of it, this sounds all, like the dreaming I remember. Right, and in the midst of it all, Dora, our, our sort of not quite central character, so I'd say it sounds like she's an avatar for us. She, well, she's very much an avatar for me because she's, oh, okay. she's surly and nasty and doesn't really understand herself very much. But she she has to figure out what she's loyal to. Is she loyal to this place that she doesn't trust very much but it's the only safe place she knows? 
Uh, is she going to take advantage of it when it's at its weakest? Um, or is she going to stand up and try and do something to help it and to recover what it should be? And in the best interests of all uh, Sandman comics, this is all told through hopefully very beautifully crafted, self-contained vignette stories, which are often about things which don't seem at all uh, immediately relevant until you realize that they're sort of progressing the broader tapestry bit by bit. Uh, and we're going to see some, some sort of uh, splendid old DC properties who haven't seen the light of day in decades making, making their appearance. And we're going to see a lot of some really amazing visuals, which I've, I've just been writing it this week, which is why I'm still a bit full of this stuff. Um, but on the whole, it's, yeah, it's literary. It's, it's, it's sort of romantic horror, I guess yeah. is how I would describe it. It's, it's about things that are heartbroken trying to repair their hearts and their minds while panicking that the world seems more broken than anything else and it's it's kind of beautiful in terms of because you were talking about how vertigo it's it's it seems it's in a term of transition mm -hmm. i think that's the kindest way to put it how far is it being planned ahead i mean because the one thing about uh, well there's two things i want to cover number one is the way that neil gaiman wrote that first run of summer there are some elements in there where nothing really kind of happens, but you are loving being in the company of these yep. characters. Nowadays, in 2018, when stories are told like that, you are taking a lot of risk yep. in that. Is that happening in this book? Is there, are there moments where there's a lot of story where it's just taking a long breath? I mean, it's a, it's a, a very astute question. Um, something Neil spoke to us about quite a lot when we met with him was that he felt it took him quite a while to sort of find the voice. Because well, he was also finding his own voice yeah. as well at that point. And so if you if you read the first six issues of it, I mean it's kind of a treasure, a treasure hunt. You know? Dream has to get three things back and he proceeds to get three things back. And that's about as close as that whole run ever gets to a contiguous narratively direct journey yeah. uh, in the sense that it is linear there is a clearly defined goal there's no mucking around no sort of strange interludes actually that's not true there are a couple <laughs> the first, but, it, but that increasingly as the, as the series progresses that becomes the thing it becomes yeah. a series of beautiful interludes which accidentally tell the main story in the Why are you background. coming up with full taglines for every right. single one of your stories? That's kind of what I do. A it's bunch revolting. of beautiful yeah, yeah. interludes. I, I should have awesome. been an advertising executive. <laughs> I'd be very famous and rich by now. But um, that's what he did. Dud? Having just said it, I'm so <laughs> articulate. That's what he did. Uh, that's what he did. And, um, and it's amazing. Now, in today's world, you're absolutely right. Especially coming out of the barrel, you don't necessarily have the trust <laughs> or the wiggle room or the self-confidence to take that tack immediately now I have to say Neil was an absolute godsend and when we the four of us sat down in this room and Neil arrives and we've all been spending weeks going okay we're going to do this and we're so all the first time you met him by the way yeah uh, <laughs> sort of so I met him briefly long ago but was there not... a lot of fun going on <laughs> He's not. Or is that a case of, he's, no, he's just not like do. that. He's, he's sort of. I mean, I, 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 this will sound like another name drop, but I'm very lucky in that I've hung out with all my heroes. I'm very friendly with Garth. I've hung out a lot with Alan. Now I've met Neil, and they are all, in very different ways, exceptionally good at not 
letting that happen, whether because in Neil's case he's just so infectiously calm, you you just don't geek out. You're just like, oh, I feel so relaxed. Can we talk now? <laughs> and I'm sure I come across as a blethering, obnoxious idiot because I like to fill space. And he's he's all about the pregnant pause, and and that's very inspiring. So back to the meeting. Yeah. So, uh, he said, um, don't worry. Just take your time. Find your voice. Don't feel like you need to be in a rush to get anywhere. And he he's all about having he's, you know, he's, he's been doing this for a long time he knows that on a long enough timeline the the sales bump that you get from issue one is not the big thing the, the sales bump you get from a crossover is not the big thing it's the fact that these books will sit on a shelf for 30 years and as long as they're fucking brilliant books they'll keep selling yeah so don't be in a rush. Just make it wonderful and make it beautiful. I can hear myself doing his voice while I say those <laughs> I was words. about to say. Don't be in a rush. <laughs> so, yeah, he gave, as I said before, he gave us permission to do a lot of things that we hadn't really realised we wanted to do. Now, does that mean that the first six issues of The Dreaming are unfocused and not really going anywhere? No, because I'm, I'm somebody who likes to have stories with endings. But I have moved quite dramatically away from thinking in terms of it's a movie where all the threads are going in the right direction and this thing corresponds to this and this one juxtaposes with that and here's where these threads collide uh, to I know where it starts and I know some things that have to happen along the way and here's a character who I want to give a whole issue to to tell their story and here's a, a funny little romance that I want to give a whole issue to to tell their story and as long as those beats are being delivered in exciting, interesting ways along the way, you can do that and that's comics. Well, with Neil Gaiman Summer, because he was starting to learn how to do comics at the end of the day with this book. Yep. He had he knew how to start, and he knew, like you say, there's stuff to do. But it wasn't. He, uh, I think it was Shelley that's mentioned this. He didn't know how to finish it. Right. Okay. And he learned how to do that with this book. Yep. But in doing that, he created then this tone and this method of storytelling with the salmon, which people have resonated with. Yep. So you're kind of replicating that because, like you say, you are somebody that knows or likes to know where a story sure. goes. Is this going to feel open-ended? Yeah, I think so. Well, the trust funny. You've just sent me right back. I saw you to write <laughs> X-Men Legacy, and uh, my editor, a guy called Daniel Ketchum, who I think is a, a splendid editor, with the mo he wasn't being rude about this. He was being utterly affectionate, but he used to use the word Claremonting as a verb just Claremont some stuff and by which he means you may have some half-formed ideas of stuff that's going to happen in the future it doesn't have to feel like it's happening within this story it's probably the you know you think in terms of sequels the controlling idea keeps changing you don't just keep endlessly regurgitating story you, you write an end and then you start again and you may have an idea of oh it's interesting to do something with that character in that sequel and then the sequel after that might be interesting to do something with this character and so here and now, when you're writing the first bit, Claremont, some of that stuff, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the bit where Cyclops is running down the corridor. Oh, I don't remember seeing that door there, but no time to stop and look through it. It keeps running. And then three issues later, what's in the door? And it's a whole story, and that's Claremonting. So there's a bit of that. So it should all feel... For instance, I can tell you that I know exactly what happens with Crystal Clarity up until issue 12, and I can tell you that when we reach issue 12... There's no sensible way that people won't want to know what happens next. Fair enough. So it, it's not open-ended in the sense that I don't know where it's going, but it is open-ended in the sense that uh, I am laying enough threads that I will always be able to deliver amazing and satisfying stories. 
that sounds mm. fine. Considering that we were intending to talk for 15 minutes. <laughs> well, we had no idea. And the idea was that we were going to, uh, I had a start, I had some stuff that I wanted to talk along right, the way, right, right. but wasn't too sure where we were going to end up. This interview has been a complete Claremont. Yeah, so I have, have Claremonted the hell out of it. We have Claremonted right? the yeah. hell out of this interview, and I have no problem with that. Very good. Thank you very oh, much. Pleasure, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>